0: nationwide everywhere on the network we got 10 nba games tonight Trista. we got breaking news in the nba although i don't know if we count a trade that happened early afternoon breaking news but it's being counted as breaking news so we're just going to consider it breaking news the rest of the way uh that that's just seems the way everybody it goes but yeah loaded up with the nba and we're starting to get down to that point now where i'm looking i was looking over you know looking at the divisional round games today going god we're getting fewer and fewer nfl games we have a few weeks left in the nfl season it goes by fast we joke about it right can't believe it's week 12 can't believe it's week 13 but once we start getting to the playoffs this thing goes fast
1: yeah it does i have something really quick in college basketball mm-hmm. at my own peril exactly. i lost every bet last night um, we're back at it again uconn <laughs> at the crib against creighton this is an actually an awesome game i'm super excited about it. if you saw me looking up i'm trying to put it on my screen up there uh UConn has been pretty damn good against the spread they are exactly equal UConn such an over team Creighton is an under team the total is 146. Mm -hmm. I stayed away I just took UConn minus six please Lord let me not be stupid please let this be a good bet I I felt last night Nick I was on the right side of TCU plus three they were Mm -hmm. up all game thing went to overtime Mm -hmm. where dogs go to die and they lost by four
0: College basketball this time of year, again, I've said it and I'll say it again. You got to be brave to bet on it. it. It's more unpredictable than the NBA. Everybody jokes right about betting on the NBA and how hard it is. And it, look, it's difficult, right? You and I are doing N, NBA parlays pretty much every single night. We've got stuff. you know, like oh, College basketball to me is even more unpredictable because any time that you have a game where an unseeded team plays a top five team, I, there's a chance that that top five team gets beaten. Well, in the NBA, there's a better chance of like you're at least comfortable with the nuggets playing some of the, like the worst teams in the nba you know so it's i think to me at college basketball this time of year is insanely frustrating so i'm rooting for you on that i've stayed away from that i do have some nba bets how many parlays you got tonight though because i'm gonna guess you've got at least a couple going on with 10 games tonight i just like
1: uh i just like half which I know is crazy, but we're talking about the dregs here. We're talking about the Houston Rockets. No shade of the Houston Rockets. They've done a good job as a franchise as opposed to last year, kind of like the Texans to a degree. I like the Knicks to be able to at the crib, at Madison Square Garden to get busy, especially with OG and Anobi. We talked about this as soon as the OG and OB trade happened. Kalen Brunson has been a big facilitator. He's been able to score, yes, but his assists have gone up from right around the five five to six range to sometimes 10, 11, 12 assists. So I like Jalen Brunson over seven and a half assists.
0: Malik Beasley is somebody that's actually played really well recently. I mean, really, it's been a good season for him in general, having Giannis and Dame there from Milwaukee. So I'm actually going over on his points. It was at 10 and a half when I got it and over on his threes. Uh, He's gone over in points in three of his last four games. He's gone over in his threes and that number specifically, the two and a half in all four of those games. I mean, Dame and Giannis are just giving him an opportunity to kind of get open. And I feel like he's one of those guys that's gone under the radar. We saw back in the day, Malik Beasley was a guy that, besides spending time with Larissa Pippen early on and kind of helping her stay away from that, this is a guy that could get you like 20 points a game back when he was in Minnesota. So very underrated in terms of the props market for someone that really isn't getting noticed enough. So I'm going to jump on the Malik Beasley train tonight. Also, another one that's kind of under the radar, Isaiah Stewart, over 17 and a half PRA. It's a really low number for a guy that's gone over this in his last five games, 16 points in each of his last two games since coming back from just being injured. So that alone, the points are getting you right almost to that number. Another very, very low number where the market is. And Boyan Bogdanovich over 17 and a half points. No Cade Cunningham again out there for Detroit. They're not a good team, right? You know, this team loses on a regular basis. Uh, they're really bad, but Boyan could go out there and get you points. So Somebody sitting there at just 17 and a half when you have no Cade Cunningham, kind of taking away a dynamic from the Pistons, more touches, more opportunities for Bogdanovich. So I'm going to take the over on those points as well.
1: Can I interest you in mm-hmm. some Jalen Duran? Jalen Duran's point prop is only 13 and a half. His rebound prop is sitting there right around nine and a half, minus 125 on both sides of the over on both of those props, over on rebounds, over on points. Jalen Dern, I don't know if you've been seeing what he's been up to, Ashley. I might actually jump Mm -hmm. on him late. I haven't been thinking about him, but oh my God. He had a prop the other night. that was points and rebounds, and it was 30 and a half. And he was like, I was like, wow, Jalen Dern? That's kind of a crazy prop number. The game that it was against the Wizards, you know, your favorite team, 20 and 19. 20 and 19, that's 39, blew that prop. I love Jalen Dern in this spot he's gone over 13 and a half points since basically one game into January 16, 20, 21, 15, 20. He's been really shouldering the bulk of the scoring load without Cade Cunningham. I like him to get busy in the paint, even against Rudy Gobert, even against Carl Anthony Towns.
0: Yeah, 20 points. You mentioned that 20 and 19. I mean, it's it's amazing. The Wizards, the market's starting to catch on. You talk about how high that number was. They've started to now figure out what we've known for a while. Big men against the Wizards, you take the over on points and rebounds. Every single time, it hits majority of the time. If I had the percentage in front of you, I'd love to tell you I don't, but it's at probably about 70 to 75%. So, but Durant in general has had a really, really good year. He's somebody that, you know, coming out of college, I wanted, I actually really wanted the Knicks to draft him, but again, they, they cleared cap space, traded Dang. that pick, got themselves a – Jalen Brunson so that's yeah, fine like I get it. it actually worked out I've been I've been more than uh, you know honest in the hey Leon Rose knows what the hell he's doing but you know for a Pistons team that's as atrocious as they are he has been someone that has really just from year one to year like the way that he's jumped as a player so quickly has been really one of the more underrated under the radar stories of the season so I I think with him You kind of just take overs every single game on exactly that. Again, you're not going to hit it every single time. But, right, you know there's some players you look at and just say, they're going to consistently do it. It's like PRA for Nikola Jokic. You just take the over, and occasionally he's not going to hit. But who gives a damn? Because even if it's at 60%, you're going to still have yourself a nice little profit.
1: I'm going to get on it right now. Like, it's it's starting in three minutes. I get a little, like, a uh, clock on the book hey it's time for you to bet this hey yep. like your time is expiring so i'm gonna go ahead and jump on jalen Duran. why because i feel like it's the right play and i need some action in the nba outside of just the knicks
0: got to have a little bit of that and of course the breaking news in the nba trista the pacers win the pascal siakam I guess we could call it sweepstakes, but at least it's only for the rest of this season. Uh, this this is a Pacers team now. Do you look at their win totals gone up to 45 and a half? They're 20 to one to win the East. Like this doesn't affect the top of the Eastern Conference. But what it does is it shows you it's a it's a Pacers team that's in now. They want to win now. They gave up multiple first round picks, gave up Bruce Brown, a couple of other players that were you know throw ins. Nobody really cares about. Like this though is a Pacers team that says we want to win. We want to win now. We recognize what we have, and they're really ahead of schedule. They've not just been a fun team, but now they add somebody that brings everything that they need. You got a guy that can defend. You got the guy that can go out there and score. He plays the wing. It's exactly what the Pacers needed. Now you're adding that with. I mean, my God the greatest passing point guard that we've had since, what, Magic Johnson out there. I mean, this is this is a Pacers team that could at least win a playoff series, I think, now at this point. they still got a long way to go in terms of growing, getting some of that playoff experience, but they're in now, they're ready to win now, and clearly, by what they gave up, they're very confident that they could do something moving forward in terms of a deal and keeping Pascal Siakam their long term, which means the Pacers are a team that's not just trending up now, but trending up moving forward in the NBA, too.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, this is just, this is a team that we've had high hopes for, high expectations for. And like I said, I had conversations with the GM and they said, listen, we need another star. It's not going to work just with the pieces that we have. And there they go, finding a way. And it's a rental. We're, we're going to have to see how it all works out, dude. Because yeah. Pascal Siakam said to every team, do not trade for me. I will not extend with you. I need to test free agency, which is fascinating.
0: It it shows, though, like if you look at the NBA right now, doesn't it feel like we talk so much about the parity in the NFL, but it really feels that way in the NBA, too. Like there's a lot of and maybe not like there's a difference between very top of the East, very top of the West, and then kind of the middle. There's a lot of parity after like the top two or three teams in the Eastern Conference where you're looking at a bunch of different organizations that at least can have the expectations of taking that next step, right? Like that, not championship contending. I'm not even looking at the Pacers, the Eastern Conference Finals, but I am looking at a team that sees their opportunity here. And it's kind of a testament to just where the NBA is as a whole, where there is a ton of parity there.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the East is more interesting than the west considering there are teams that i'm excited about i'm excited about orlando what are they going to look like i'm excited about the pacers what are they going to look like the Cavs have been really good too we haven't really talked about cleveland cleveland is on a heater right now they may look to make a trade at the deadline maybe some insurance if donovan mitchell decides he doesn't want to stick around i'm fascinated by this team especially considering they're not even fully healthy yet is that does that mean that those players that are now gone were an impediment to their success? I don't think so, but I am excited to see if they can build on that momentum when they get their players back.
0: Where does it put the Pacers in your eyes at this point now? Like, does it elevate them past the Cavs? Does it elevate them past the Heat? Because the Heat are actually playing defense again, which we know is their calling card to begin with.
1: (sighs) It's a great question. I think at least... It puts him in the top six. We know that. Mm -hmm. I think like pretty much solidifies them out of the play-in. But I think that they have a shot to make noise. And I think it's all about the fit between Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam. Halliburton being hurt is tough, right? Because you want that chemistry to build Pascal Siakam right now. But I tell you what, Pascal Siakam will never find driving lanes like he will find with Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton on the floor. Because he has been bunched up not being able to really move in space because he's on a team with no shooters outside of, you know, the 10 games or so with Emmanuel Quickly and kind of R.J. Barrett. So now that he's got all of this space, I think Pascal Siakam's going to be one hell of a prop to take on a night-to-night basis until these lines move. He's going to be able to score at will and probably his defense is going to pick up too.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's a great point that you bring up. It's like sometimes having a fresh start changes a player. And you get a new opportunity, you get some new uh, you know, pieces around you, a new system, new coaching staff, like all those. And sometimes it's a mental thing, right? It's just that fresh start and being out of really an organization in Toronto that doesn't have the expectations the Pacers have now. So like, what does that do for Pascal Siakam? I think you're right in that sense where you look at it and they're going to want to get him involved early. They're going to want to make sure that he kind of feels acclimated to the organization. Like, let's get him the ball a little bit more so he feels comfortable here. And you start taking over his game after game going to take a few games for the books to really adjust to that so that's absolutely somebody I think that that you consider there you're right though when you talk about like the top six and that may just be the back end of the top six in the Eastern Conference because I'm looking right now Boston's going to finish with the best record in the NBA you know they have the easiest schedule the rest of the way and currently at least right now in terms of strength of schedule for the rest of the season Mm -hmm. the Boston Celtics so sitting at 31 and 9 a win percentage of over 775 like That it's going to be tough for anybody to dethrone Boston at the top of the Eastern Conference, let alone, you know, the entire NBA. But you got the Bucs after that. I wouldn't put the Pacers above the Bucs or the Sixers. The Cavs, the Cavs and Heat are interesting, though, right? Because we've seen Cleveland went. Cleveland's actually played better since Darius Garland's been hurt. So when he comes back from that broken jaw. Do they struggle a little bit, acclimating him again? Does Donovan Mitchell's production come down a little bit? Does that mess with the chemistry and the five-game winning streak that they have right now in Cleveland? So you could argue that Indiana could maybe jump the Cavs. Could they jump the Heat? Uh, the Heat are a much better defensive team, but we know they're getting older. Do they start to wear down as the season goes on and have to grind their way through the playoffs like they did last year? The Knicks are a team that's certainly been playing relatively well, but they had you know, a bad loss the other night. But this is still a Knicks team that's kind of trending upward the Magic or another team right you said it like trending upward so the Pacers are kind of right in that mix of maybe at best they're four and maybe at worst they're I mean I would say I guess seven maybe eight if it really starts to fall off and the Magic and the Knicks start to win but like that's the Eastern Conference right now look at all of the space you have there and all of this up and down as as, as really the the rest of the season goes on we're not even at the all-star break and We still have the trade deadline coming in three weeks, or who knows what some of these other
1: teams in the East may do. And on top of that, you talk about the difference between four and eight. It's only like two games. I mean, the Cavs are 23 Mm -hmm. and 15, and the Magic are 22 and 18. So, I mean, that's a win streak or a losing streak. That's one key injury to a guy. Jimmy Butler obviously has missed time. He continues to miss time throughout season to season. You know, now once, and, and listen, like the Pacers are seven and three in their last 10. And that's without Tyrese Halliburton for a large, you know, bulk of those games. So when he comes back, and you have Pascal Siakam, and listen, they're not done. They still have Ob Toppin. They still have Buddy Heel to package up with some picks, right? And get maybe yeah. another piece.
0: It's it's amazing how like if you really do commit yourself to building a young team right? Like building with youth and, and being able to identify the right pieces that will fit. And this works in anything. This works in the NFL. This works in the NBA. If you're able to do that, you can flip a team so fast. I think the Pacers are a great, great example of that. They're not the only one, but in the NBA, they're one of those good examples of like, we saw where they were. And all of a sudden they're now fires before the deadline even happens. So, all right, Tom McCarthy is calling the Baltimore Houston game this weekend. One of our favorite games on the slate. We'll talk to him next. It's BetMGM MGM